Peace, everyone. This is Marco Demovich, a.k.a. Vic Ademo, and this is a Heart House hip-hop education takeover of the West Meeting Room, broadcasting on CIUT 89.5 FM. We're on Dish with One Spoon Territory in Tacaranto, and grateful for the opportunity to be here. Working with our campus partners and community hip-hop practitioners, Heart House hip-hop education supports values of representation, collaboration, and social justice as we explore the key principles of hip-hop and its importance in our everyday culture. Google Heart House Hip Hop Education to learn more. In the winter 2021 term, the Hip Hop Ed team was joined by two U of T student interns who supported our work in exploring indigenous voices in hip hop. We're thankful to have worked with Drew Rickard and Lloyd Cousins, who co-host the conversation for our second episode with legend David Gordo Strickland. What hasn't been said about David Strickland? He's an award-winning engineer, mixer, producer, DJ, and visual artist. He's known for being behind the boards on iconic hip-hop and R&B records for over two decades. We're talking seminal tracks by the likes of Pete Rock, Eric Sermon, EPMD, Keith Murray, Redman, Method Man, and records by groundbreaking Toronto hip-hop acts including Chaos, Ghetto Concept, Jellystone, Cardinal, Julie Black, Claire, and Drake. Okay, I need a second to take that in. All right, we're good. We got into his love for hip-hop, his work as an artist and producer, as well as exploring the personal. David's deep family roots go back generations to the East Coast along Mi'kmaq, Inu, and Beothuk lines. In June 2020, he aligned his Indigenous heritage with years in the music industry and community, dropping Spirit of Hip-Hop, which starts with an amazing intro by another OG, Ernie Panicoli, who reframes hip-hop as modern Indigenous storytelling. It showcases some of Turtle Island's hip-hop progenitors and innovative Indigenous artists alike, really showcasing the teachings, art, traditions, and music of the community. I mean, is an hour enough? Okay, that's it for me. Let's get into it. We're joined today on the Hard House Hip Hop Education Takeover by the incomparable and legendary producer, engineer, and artist, David Gordo Strickland. Peace, David. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm good, man. We're, uh, we're, we're, we're blessed to have you. Uh, there's so much to get into, um, but I want to start with uh, being nominated for the first International Indigenous Hip Hop Awards. You're up for three nominations for Single of the Year, Producer of the Year, and Collaboration of the Year. And I wonder what these nominations and the awards mean to you in particular versus something like the Junos or the Grammys that you've won. Well, they, they mean a lot of um, to me because it is the first, um, because I did do a little bit of legwork with those fellas as far as getting the ball rolling. Um, but it's not really about me. The awards, the nominations are for, you know, the album, which is the artist on the album. There'd be no album without the artist. Um, essentially, the album is about those artists, indigenous or not indigenous. It's about that. It's not about me. I'm just Dr. Dre or Timberland in the background. And um, I don't really, you know, my whole career has been about being in the background and pushing other people forward. And that's what this is about. I'm just trying to push other people to the forefront. So, I mean, if we if we do good and we win something, I mean, that, that award to me is for, you know, the artists on the project but you know it's it's not for the awards but it is good to see that something like that is happening and we need something like that in music what does it tell you that there is this larger indigenous voices in hip-hop there seems to be a really strong connection there what does that tell you about this sort of resurgence jeremy dutcher called uh when he won the polaris called called uh, he said there's an indigenous resurgence 
in, in music and in, in everything we're seeing. So, I mean, maybe just uh, what do you think about, about that? Well, essentially, that's what um, got me to do this project. That's what this project is about. This project is about giving um, giving voices to people. Um, everybody had a voice and everybody had, um, you know, was doing music on their own. But I, I felt like I saw something special that wasn't being so much recognized by the mainstream and like maybe people weren't like outside of the community not as many people were aware and i was like man if i could you know do something special and, and take what i already do and, and incorporate this into it maybe you know we can catch a new wave and you know change music a little and i think that's what's happening slowly um a lot of the artists who are on the album and not on the album like a lot of them are going heavy and um you can see the difference now people are starting to pay attention so I mean, I knew I, I I wasn't sure, and I mean it's not like I'm not Billboard one two three, but but I think we're getting hurt, you know. So I mean, um, with or without me, it's an amazing thing to see, and um, whether I'm participating or not, um, it's kind of overdue, I think. Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, we're gonna get into spirit of hip hop a little bit more um, specifically, but really just wondering sort of. What drew you to hip hop in the beginning, and what keeps you drawn to hip hop? What keeps you connected to it? Well, I, I kind of talked about this. I wrote an article, and I was explaining how basically my experience was. You know, I was assimilated through my my dad was assimilated. My mother and them were from a mix. They're mixed, but not really knowing it. You know what I'm saying? But my dad's side, they were pretty much assimilated, and um, by the time you got to me, I. I knew we were native, but we did, I couldn't get any answer as a child. I think that had a lot to do with what drew me to hip hop because of the parallels between the cultures. I was just naturally in it because it was in my DNA, you know what I'm saying? And um, I mean, that kind of proved that through my career before this. Um, this is kind of culmination of putting it all together, you know? And um, I think it, it, they all play into each other and they're all part of the story for me anyway. So David, uh, it's nice to hear from you today. My name is Lloyd. Um, anyways, I had a question that I, I actually heard that was brought up at the uh, producers circle that you were uh, in attendance at last week. Right. You mentioned something about you used to be a painter and then you, uh, you gave up that for a while, about 20 years or so, and then you've been doing it again recently. So like, how would you say that maybe that influences your uh, music or your hip hop in, in any way from now as to opposed to like back in the day when you used to do the same two things at the same time like it's like riding a bike right you can't you'll never forget <laughs> um i think uh i had back in the day i uh, it was kind of like relaxing me it, it still relaxes me i think it was taking my focus away because there was a lot going on back in the day but now i kind of i didn't take it so much as serious when I was younger and I didn't think I was, as, I still don't think I'm good, but I didn't think I was good enough to be doing what I'm doing now. But a lot of what I'm doing now came from ceremony. I wasn't painting. And then I was doing ceremony about twice a month and every week uh, for about um, like seven years. And that's, I, I noticed I'd paint after, after doing the sweat lodge and stuff like that. So, I mean, uh, I, I think, Finding myself and knowing my roots and who I was and stuff like that really um, helped with the painting, you know what I'm saying? And the music was, you know, when you're producing, when you're not producing, when you're just engineering, 
engineering can sometimes just seem like you're going to a job, you know, punching the clock and stuff. You're creative, but you don't get to like, it's a little different, right? So I find that being able to produce and, and do visual art, I'm able to be more creative. And essentially, that's who I am. And a lot of times I ran away from that because I was trying to pay the bills, you know what I'm saying? And I, I would shut that down a lot. And I think now I've had the chance to let that side of me open up more. And I mean, I'm actually in the middle of moving and I'm surrounded by canvas. And, you know, it's just like I've sold so many pieces. I've given away so many pieces, but yet I'm still surrounded in canvas. Right. So, I mean, it's quite amazing that I'm even able to do that. I'm thankful for that gift. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the the canvas can definitely have some longevity. Like, um, yeah, I just saw and now with the crypto art, it's you know for sure. Yeah, I'm getting into that right away. I've already got it set up. Yeah, and then you put the music in there. I could have a piece that I painted with a beat in it, exclusive. Like, and then, yeah, that's that's combining the two. You know what I'm saying? Let's like you. Then you're like, well, I'm glad I can paint. It gives you different um skill sets, and then when you put them together. I mean, God, yeah, that's pretty amazing, right? Um, I guess another topic is just maybe, you know, because you've been doing work for a long time since the 80s till now. Uh, so, like, what have been some of the most surprising changes you've seen throughout the course of, like, the hip-hop evolution from then till now? Musically? Um, man, it's been a long road. Um, to see Toronto winning, it took a long time. But we already had the talent. That's one of the biggest changes. Going to the States and hearing slang that movies use down there become normal is really trippy. Um, uh, but the music's changed a lot. I listen to stuff like the drum programming, um, sampling, live instruments, the way the singing has become. Like there was always singing in hip hop. People forget that. A lot of like a lot of 80s hip hop, you go back there with a singer on the chorus. Um, it's not new, but. I think the song structure and the mixing, there's like the technology. There's so many factors that have changed that have changed music period. But as far as hip hop goes, some people probably can't even believe it's still around and how much it's evolved. I mean, because now you have sub genres. Man, you got so many types of hip hop now that, I mean, I saw a station the other day advertising classic hip hop station. And it's like when I was a kid and I saw classic rock and we were like, what's that? Ha ha ha. And I'm like, that'll never happen to hip hop. And here we are, right? Uh, so, speaking of your work, your first uh, production project, The uh, Spirit of Hip Hop, which just came out last year, you know, I, the first track, you know, perhaps is probably the most apt place to start uh, the, the intro, the uh, spoken word by Ernie. The DJ is the drum. The MC is the storyteller. The B-boy is the dancer. The aerosol artist or the graffiti artist is the sand painter. That was really powerful, man. So I, I just wanted to, you know, maybe get your take on um, how he, like how he approached framing that, you know, that teaching, so to speak, as, as far as uh, hip hop being like reframing, you know, our drumming, our uh, storytelling, uh, you know, as the MC and, you know, how, how did he, and, and how did that inform your work? Well, that, um, 
started, uh, some friends of mine had a group called Indigenous and had this logo, which was similar to this logo. Um, they had their own logo of this, and I really fell in love with that. And Ernie brought the teaching behind that. And they kind of disbanded, and they were arguing about the logo and two of them who created it. And one of them said, look, man, just make your own. It's not Nobody owns this. It's the medicine wheel, and it's the elements, however you want to put them together. Like, make your own then. So they started making their own, and I agreed. And I said, all right, I want to make my own. So I made my own. The the one piece that's in the McMichael is named after them because that was a painting before I was doing original work that was, I just painted that logo. I loved it so much. I felt the connection between it. And then Ernie brought the teaching where you're comparing the cultures, what he says on the, the intro. And the way that happened was, yeah, I wanted him to touch on that when I was had the idea to be he's when he was in town and I was like, Ernie, you got to come over and record something. I need you on the album. You know, we had already had a relationship by then. So I just brought him in the studio. And it's funny. He said this to me the other day. He's like a brother. I don't write, bro, I got to do my Ernie impersonation. Brother, I don't write nothing. I, I just put the mic on and I go from the heart. So my Ernie impersonation, but, and that's what he did. I just, and I have pictures where he just spoke. He closed his eyes. He had the mic there and he just spoke from the heart and he went on for about five minutes. And I just, I had different ideas, but then I was like, man, this can't be like, originally it was like a minute or something. And I'm like, I can't have a minute at the beginning. Like you've got to go into the album and go, you can't just slow people down kind of thing. So I, I made it more strategic to the way it was. I added the drummers, all that music is recorded live. It's not a sample. You know, um, the flute is Artson, who's on Turtle Island. It's not a sample, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I put that, that little bit more into it, and it gave it that impact. And, you know, uh, Brother Ernie's an OG, so. Absolutely. It was nothing for him. And, I mean, we shot the video at his house. We went to New Jersey. That video, if you saw the video, that's between his house and some clips are here. And it's very powerful. And he... um it was pretty Im- impactful to come in with him because you're, it's not just what he's saying here. You have a, this indigenous man who's an elder who has been around in hip hop for, you know, he was probably like the only one of us around, like in New York, New York's different because like, they don't think I'm native. They think I'm Puerto Rican or something in, in America is different. They don't think there's many of us around. So, Having him there was really good to have, like, it was important because it established that relationship. So when he came on, it just kind of sets the tone, you know what I'm saying? For what the album's about, really. It's like, almost like, not reclaiming hip-hop, but saying, like, like all the other music, we're a part of all that history. Well, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned just now, um, I think a lot of people, like, they have, especially in the United States or even even in Toronto, I think in some cases, right, people have an idea of what they expect uh, you to look like as an Indigenous person or... Yeah, yeah, even get that in the community. Yeah, even in the community as well, absolutely. And not really realizing that, that, you know, in the 21st century, we have so many different, you know, uh, types of Indigenous people. We have different nations. There are different shades of us, right? There are different hair colors, styles, so on and so forth. So 
you know, what has been, you know, I don't know, I guess your response to that, you know, when people are just sort of questioning who you are, right? Yeah, I get it. I get it on always, right? I was getting it before. And the thing is, like, I already had a career in music. I, I could have just done an album. Could have been any album. Did, did it really matter? Um, I chose to do this because I was growing up and discovering more about who I really was. And it changed me as a person, my journey. It changed who I am because I wasn't, like, I didn't have all the answers and nobody could give them to me. And certain events led me to that. And that changed who I am in a good way. So I incorporated that into what I was doing, right? And then I, I, I brought this album and it could have been anything, but I thought, you know what? Let me do something that that is about where I'm at in my life, right? But there's a lot of people out there that will try to um, try to judge, judge me, tell me who I am. But at the end of the day, I am only answering to the creator. I know who I am. Creator knows who I am. Creator's rocking with me. You see that in the music. You see that in the art. You see that in the movement. You see that. In, you know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, I'm trying to make something that you know, people can relate to and, and can help people, you know, and also, you know, you know, have a good time and whatever it is, because life is a trip and it's really quick. So I'm just like, okay, well, let's just be, you got to keep it real. Like, so I, you know, I just try to be true to who I am, true to myself and, you know, do the best I can. I'm not going to please everybody. I think um, places like Toronto, like you're saying in New York, We've been so like modernized that we forget like like there's not as much visible indigenous people always. So like you get in that that state where people forget about us, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, I can't fathom like what it was like growing up through the eighties. And, you know, to your credit and a lot of other people's credit, those who have been here before us, you know, they have had including, you know, some of my family. Uh, I've heard some of the craziest stories, man. Oh, man. Just in terms of like what people actually had to contend with and how hard you actually had to push. So I think comparatively to today, you know, a lot of our youth don't quite understand, you know, just the, the difference, right? Now, now there are there are obviously some systemic things that we could go on and on about, but uh, I just, you know, I just had to, you know, give you you know, do respect because I think, you know, it, it's really great to see, you know, how that the spirit of hip hop, you know, how that project came about. And I don't think people fully realize just the, 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 the brutality that we've had to overcome uh, and how hard you've had to fight, you know, especially in industries to present, you know, to put something together and, and for it to have staying power and for it to be like, okay, yeah, I want to be a part of that. Well, I, I think this is what it's probably missed on a lot of people. The reason, one of the reasons I was able to even pull it off or get it out in the platform. Originally, I was just doing a record and I was just going to put it out. And whatever happens, happens. It wasn't about a movement. It wasn't about, you know, trying to be in the forefront. It wasn't about, hey, look at me. I've been doing this all these years. It's not about none of that. What, what really help the project get to those places was that my reputation or the amount of work I put in up until that point, you know, made it more valid because 
people around me who I know for years, you know, like I was doing something like that maybe hadn't been done, but because of my track record, people like, no, it's, Oh, this might be something different. Like I got the attention of people I knew because I knew so many people. Cause I put in the work over the years that it was like, I wasn't running around going, Hey, I want to put up this record. Hey, somebody listen to me. I was just doing my album. And then people were hearing, Yo, I heard you doing this thing. Oh, yeah, you want to listen? And I play some stuff. And people, oh, this is good. And and it was it was that that made it into what it is. It wasn't me going around being a salesman. Like I might have just put the album out. Like it was the labels that were bothering me. Hey, can we put this out? I'm like, oh, I guess so. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I was just like a little kid in the corner playing. You know, I just like making stuff. And it's. I'm amazed at what it's become from where the idea started, right? And that's a testament to perhaps the amount of work I've done because there's been so many times I've tried to run away. So, I mean, if I did run away, it might not have happened. If I didn't take, you know, who I was seriously. But that was one of the things that I was like, oh, like, okay, tell me more. And then I started asking questions and finding out. And that's where the ball started getting rolling. And then the more and more I started learning and doing and meeting and, and, and becoming who I should be and who I, I, I feel like maybe I was robbed of being, but anyway, that's what led me here. And if it wasn't for that, we might not even have the album. Take notice from great focus, new times approaches. Giving doses and see who comes the closest. One dose of fear, fake natives disappear. I put posters on posters, I'm like this all year. You talked a bit about, well, just now, obviously, just the, the process, right? And, and I think a lot, of, a lot of artists these days, I think, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit I was in the same sort of a, a position maybe when I was like 20, 19. Right where I wasn't, I was getting so frustrated that things weren't happening right away. And and I think a lot of you know artists, creatives, right, they don't really realize that there is no straight and narrow path, and that you know because it's a, it's an industry, you know that deals in public opinion, you know that factors in. A lot of it is subjective, so you have to kind of build you know a thick skin, and at the same time really love what you do love what you do so much so that you know everything aside you just bring it back to what you were saying i wasn't focused on you know getting like selling the work or, or whatever the case was these things sort of came about so i think if i might ask a question i mean like what was there like a a, a turning point where you were like i really want to quit right now and then you know maybe you a month later you came around and you said no i'm gonna I'm actually going to do this. Was there anything like that? As far as the album goes or just in general? Uh, just in general. Oh, that's happened a million times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in situations where like, I wasn't getting paid or I didn't get paid enough or it wasn't worth it or, you know, you're sacrificing things and, and what am I doing this for? Or you do all that and then you get there and there's nothing and you're like, what the f I've cried driving down the street from situations because I'm like, I put all this energy and then they forgot about me. And I've been forgotten. Me personally, I've been forgotten about many times on credits, thank yous. I've never been thanked for a lot of stuff. 
I've been left out a lot and I put in a lot of work. And sometimes that hurts people. Sometimes all you need is a pat on the back. I was the assistant in the corner who didn't know anything about most of the gear in the room, but loved music and wanted to learn and had a passion and, and you know, wasn't the best producer and, and wasn't taught how to play. And, you know, I'm the underdog and people want to diss me, but uh, I'm going to keep coming back fighting, right? And that's the only reason I'm still here. And this doesn't just apply to music. This pro- this happens in every type of thing, right? Whether you're a cook or whatever, you know? So, I mean, I, since you brought it up, I'm going to show you right here. Like, on my arm, I know they can't see it, but you guys can see it. It says, don't quit. That's my mom's handwriting. Wow. Uh, it says, don't quit, love you lots. And then that's um, a waveform of her voice that I can play on my phone. That's that uh, when I'm down, I can hear her telling me, uh, love you lots. Cause that's what she used to say. Love you lots. And it says don't quit. Cause she used to be the one to keep me going when I was down to collect, pick me up and stuff. Like, like if I was broke, my mom would just come by and just hide money in the house. And then tell me later, Oh, are you okay? Da-da-da. Oh, I hid some money under you. Da-da-da-da. Like stuff like that. Like my, my mom was like that. And that's kind of one of the things that kept me, you know, people in my life who kept me my dream alive, you know what I'm saying? Who believed in me, like, you got to take breaks. That's the other thing. I have this all the time. I get frustrated. Um, you can't just keep, you got to take, I made a beat last night. We were talking about that. So like I was making this beat the other day, kind of got frustrated. I kept telling myself, stop and go do something. Right. And then I never got back to it. I had to go make another beat do this other song for somebody and then last night i was like okay let me get back okay what was that beat and i pulled up that beat and i was like oh snap this is crazy oh i just need to add this and that and then i was like oh it's done right so the point is that break gave me perspective right sometimes you need to do that like um i do it all the time um stop i'll go paint for a bit then go back to the music and a mix or or producing or or housework or something. No, I got to go to the store. Let me take, because sometimes that grind of just doing it is good too. It all depends on vibe, man. I keep telling people it's all about the vibe. And if people don't understand vibe, uh, I, have a, I get in arguments with people like that. Sometimes I'm like, yo, you can't mess with the vibe. Some people try to mock me, oh, your vibe. And I'm like, yo, man, it's a thing. Like, I can't be distracted if I'm in a zone, man. We're all going to have times where we're frustrated trying to make something. But I've had times where, like, especially when you're in a, a particular situation, but where where you're just on, where you're like, bam, 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 like someone's like, boom, boom, boom. Oh, shoot, I just made this crazy piece of music in, like, seven minutes. And people are looking like, holy cow. And I'm like, I have no idea. I did everything on the fly. I didn't have a plan. I can't play anything. It's all my ear. I'm moving stuff around, doing stuff in the computer, and going by this. And this, and this. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. It's a vibe. No, that's the whole point, man. I mean, I think 
you touched on it. I've heard, you know, tons of lyricists like J. Cole, like Nas, like some of these yeah. uh, greats. Um, you think of Canadians, uh, Robbie Robertson, right? Uh, people who uh, have spoken about how really it comes to really loving what you do. And sometimes you go through periods where you're just not going to do anything at all. Sometimes you go through periods where you're going to do everything all at once. And and I think, right. uh, I think this is where you find, you know, a distinction where you have the real artists, the people who know, you know, what it is that you're talking. Also, what are you in it for too? Yeah. That has a lot to do with it. Are you in it to get rich? Are you in it to make money? Are you just like, this was a hobby. Painting was a hobby. Your music was my hobby. Yeah. Maybe I was like, Oh, I'd love to do an album. And like, oh, I used to rap. Oh, I want to, I want to be da, da, da. But chances are it's not going to happen, but you know what? I'm still into it. So I'm still going to do it. And then if it becomes something like the fact that I sell, I'm going, when I, when we finish, I'm going to drop off a piece to somebody. The fact that somebody pays me money that I could use to pay my bills and stuff. Not that that's my main gig, but just the fact that somebody gives me money that it's that good that you're willing to pay. That blows my mind. Am I that good? Oh, that's awesome. I think if you would have told me when I was 12 or 14 or 15, that one day people, don't worry, kid, one day somebody's going to get, I would have been like, no way, but it happens. And why? Because I didn't quit. And not that I did it for that. That's an added bonus. You know what I did it for myself? Because I enjoy it and I want to look up at the wall and go, wow, it's not bad, G. I'm pretty good. I'm proud of it. For me, that's it. Anything after that is awesome. Being in the McMichael was like, come on, there's no way. How, the, how did I even get here? All that stuff just inspires you more. That inspired me. After that exhibit, the curator said to me, wow, you know, you really took advantage, not took advantage, but like out of all the artists, I was allowed to go there anytime I want. I would go there as much as possible. You know, I was up there all the time looking at artwork, painting. They would let me use the land. I'd go do ceremony. I'd bring my pipe. I'd be out there doing ceremony, drumming my pipe out in the land walking around like the whole experience for me was bigger than just my paintings are on the wall i'm like going this is canadian history this is turtle island history i'm a part of this like that's like i should be so lucky you know what i'm saying so i mean i try to take all those things and appreciate it as much as i can you know what you're describing is is uh you know the artist right you're describing the artist the real person the real mccoy there's a difference between the artist and what I would call, you know, a, a poser. You know, there are a yeah. lot of posers who, you know, that are out there, whether it be hip hop music, whether it be music in general, whether it be broadcast, whether it be uh, whatever. There's a lot of whack MCs. Yeah. So how, like, you know, I guess this is more of a personal question. Like, how do you deal with, like, just maintaining... Like, what do you do to bring yourself back to, like, focusing not on that and focusing on just being yourself is like, you know, on a day to day basis? You know, what do you what do you, is there any one thing like as far as maintaining? Well, balance, balance is a key because, you know, um, having ceremony in my life has made me kind of be like a better person and nicer. Yeah. <laughs> life sometimes gets you down. So I had to have a balance. And bringing the ceremony gave me more of a balance and a purpose and the exercise. Like I'm, I'm starting to get back. I'm starting to train again. 
I haven't been training uh, for a year and a half or so. But training and the ceremonies gives me the balance so that I don't go to places I don't want to because sometimes life will get hard on you and you get frustrated. And that's how like people lose their temper and stuff happens because, you know, you're not keeping that balance. But um, I'm trying to be a better person because of that. But before, I might not have cared so much. I was just trying to, you know, that whole hustle mentality of, money first and you know just go 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 capitalism blah 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 right it affects your life i know a lot of people that get sick and stuff and like like life there's a lot of factors in getting sick right so it's for me i try to keep a balance because it's so easy to get lost in the sauce you know what i'm saying and forget things and i eat properly Okay, I eat three squares a day. Like I, I get up, I have breakfast, right? And I make sure I have a lunch, even though my times are shifted. I get up at about noon, so my whole thing's shifted. And then I make sure I have a dinner, like a real dinner. Whether I buy it or make it, I make. I don't just eat candy. So anyway, the point is the balance because it's so easy to not have that. And then all of a sudden you're like, you're sick. Like when you're too busy with all these other things in life, you're not always conscious or that's not always your priority, right? You're like, I'll do that later. I'll do that. I'll worry about that later. But it's like a little every day you've got to be on top of stuff. Right? Yeah, 100%. I'm liking the change happening, happening fast. You can target your market with little to no cash. Get them in the heart so your legacy lasts. Then sell your music from a beach with your Mac on your lap. Now, this ain't a time to do a victory lap. Remember the dopest cat who only got glass that. Uh-huh. You are now forced to do better than that. Like all of a sudden you're whack, they don't call you back. I do, I mean, I do have a couple of questions. I, I really just, I guess, connecting sort of authenticity and mentors. You know, you mentioned your mom and um, as sort of these, these figures that have uh, come, been on your path and, and really just thinking about the role of mentorship, whether it's sort of formal or informal and how, you know, what is like, what is the learning that is needed? And I guess, you know, we're talking about music and life, but I think if you can speak to both of those, like what, uh, what's really important for, for artists to know for particularly young artists that are sort of coming up, like what do they miss out on by not having that? Well, yeah, yeah. You, you know, it's funny you say that because the whole process has changed now. People now can just go by, like it, it's good and bad. Cause you're going to get the guys um, that are going to come through that had the talent that nobody believed in that just went and did themselves. Cause now they can, and we can hear them. But then there's the guys who need that mentorship or are not going to get the experience from that. Right. Some of those are going to slip through the cracks, right? Because now everybody can just go buy a computer, buy what they need. Now, I'm making that sound easy, but, and you're also not going to learn as much because sometimes like a lot of my learning, I learned from watching just being in the corner and watching. And now the computer changes everything. It's hard to explain. All these plugins used to be gear. It was expensive. We used to go in and just shop for gear all the time. Now you can just go on your computer and blah, 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 plug it like, you know. Um, and then there's, it's got to be overwhelming. There's a lot to be learned from others in being in that context together or being in a space learning, right? But when you take that away, a lot of people missing out. Like it's not just, it's not just the person being mentored that gets something out of it, right? You know, when you're teaching somebody, like I've had somebody call me their mentor, and I'm like, whatever. <laughs> I just laugh. I'm just like, I I laugh because I think it's funny because 
I'm like, I'm, I'm a knucklehead to myself. So I'm like, yeah, you don't want to learn nothing from me, buddy. Here, stay in school. You know what I'm saying? Because I got lucky. But you, the thing about being, if you're mentoring somebody and watching somebody who you believe in, oh, this, or maybe they're not the best, but you're like, oh, this guy's got hard and and seeing how your effect or stuff you've taught them, especially if they acknowledge and go, man, you taught me so so much. And remember when you did this and then look, I did that. And then seeing somebody accomplish something that you believed in or, or whatnot, I just go, wow, man, because I know people who've done that for others or for me and who've come to me and said, yo, you know, yeah, I'm proud of you. And that is what makes it all worthwhile. Or you being proud of them saying, yo, I'm proud of you. You know what I'm saying? Like, because that's sometimes all we need. You know, you need, you need that support system, your friends, your family, like sometimes, you know, we can't always do it on our own. Sometimes, you know, people in situations they can, but like for the most part, you can't possibly know everything. You got to learn stuff from somebody anyway. But it speaks to a certain, um, just, I guess the word is like, like stick to or just like initiative. Like, let me see if I can do this. Yeah. You got to try, right? You can get hung up on, oh, I don't know how to do this or this or this, but, um, but uh, it's really just about sort of um, doing what you can. And, and I think it reminds me of this sort of adage in, in, in academia that's like the best papers are the ones that are handed in on time, which is not about the quality. It's more about the process of just finishing something, right? And I think in, in music and in creation, it's, you know, the muscle of starting something is really well developed in most people. But the, the muscle of finishing something is is the one to sort of work on, right? Finisher, you got to be a finisher. You got to finish your thing. A lot of people suffer from that problem. I know a lot of people love that problem. They'll start projects and never finish them. Yeah. Um, I want to sort of get into some uh, records and specifically records that are uh, meaningful for you from your catalog. So just wondering what are some, what are some of the most meaningful records in your entire catalog and why? Yeah, there's, there's a few. Um, there's one that will always be like and you know i i've i've explained this before a lot of times now this is the cool thing about doing what we do is you get to have okay you ever have that song that you're like oh i remember that summer and it reminds you that summer so when you're like in the song as the engineer or producer i get to have that memory of creating the song that's something i never thought about till i started having it happen right so there's songs like that because my catalog is so deep now that i've like touched a lot of songs some bigger than others but i have those one of them is um a song called right now which is on red gone wild who's the sample um al green al green sample eric server produced it i i believe but the whole memory of that project is a whole red gone wild experience but that song i love that song i love the sample it was one of the songs where i was like I just the experience of of just like I have mem good memories of that time, right? So that's one of the reasons why I love that song so much. But there's ones like that. Um, what's another one? Uh, hustling, your hustling cardinal. I recorded that in the basement way back. Yeah, I started doing a mixtape, like my greatest hits kind of thing, and it was hard because. I, I would narrow it down and narrow it down and narrow it down. And it just, it's kind of like, um, I have a behind the boards playlist on Apple that they give for like producers uh, and engineers. And even that was hard to like shrink down to your, 
like you're saying, your most memorable songs. Now, sometimes that would be most popular, um, not in like what your question is asking. But for me, I just there's there's ones like Lord knows I didn't I don't think I engineered on that, but that's just my song because of that, and I have memories because of Forty hit me, you know, and talking about Yo Drake says he hears. They say Gordo in the chorus, not Lord knows. And I'm like, that's hilarious, right? Like, that out, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, that's my song. Damn, too bad I didn't make the beat or something. I think that was just Blaze, right? So I don't have a credit on that song, but that one counts. Wu-Tang Forever, that's one of them. There's a story behind that. There's a bunch. I'd have to give you a list. There's like, you know, it's hard because you get, you get to, if you're lucky, you get to have a lot of those, you know, and um, some projects become more successful than others there's a song on the glenn lewis album beautiful eyes that's a song that i love that i always listen to that's not hip-hop that's just it's just the whole experience of doing that project those producers um dre and videl they came to toronto we were doing that album we cut that album in a place called soundfield that was a studio that was built in the 70s that had crazy acoustics i mean behind the couch in the studio the acoustic panels, the diffusers were so deep and wells were so wide that I used to always make jokes because they were so big, I could hide in them. That's how big the wells of the diffusers were. And it had isolation chambers up in the air. Like the whole studio was, it was done right. And it would cost a fortune to do it now. Um, unfortunately, that building, that now building has been torn down. It's a condo. <laughs> but that studio was crazy. And that whole experience, Dre and Vidal came. They just did the uh, butterflies with Michael Jackson before they came. So here I was, summer of 2002, in the studio with these two producers from Philly. And they were with a touch from jazz, which is Jazzy Jeff's guys. And I'm in the studio working with them. They just came from L.A. working with Michael Jackson. And I'm in the studio recording Glenn Lewis. And they're like make, writing music on the spot. And I'm the engineer. Right. I was also doing a ghetto concept album. I was working with Jellystone and Point Blank. And I was doing like four or five albums just that whole summer and a couple of one offs here and there sessions come up. But that whole experience of we did that album like a rock album, like where we go in the studio for a month or six weeks and then they we go they go mix, right? And I was we recorded that actually on a Tascam 24 digital, those machines. They just came out after because that was around the time when the transition was going from ADATs and um, D88s to Pro Tools only, right? So, you know, that whole experience, I can tell you everything. I could almost smell and taste that summer just talking about it, where I lived, who I was dating, what it was going on in my life, just from listening to those songs from that album for me personally. And then you have the flip side of somebody who, because I don't think that album came out till later. The single was out, Don't You Forget It, was a huge song. You know, you're riding the wave of successes. There was a bunch of records that I worked on that were doing well. So around that time, I was like one of the guy, one of the go-to guys in the city. But that album, man, like this. So those, those are the kind of songs that bring back those memories. That that's special for me because I, what I would do is, when an album come out, I'd buy two copies and I wouldn't open one, so that I'm like, yeah, when I'm seventy, I'm gonna this because I'm I, I have a exit strategy. You know, I want to be able to. You know, one day not be doing any of this and go, yeah, I used to do music and then pull up stuff and play it and, you know, 
freak out my granddaughter or something. That's what the beauty of it. Like the other day I was in the star and it was in the print and I couldn't get a copy. My daughter got a copy and she sent me a picture of my granddaughter with the picture. And I was like, wow. And she was probably a salsa. Yo, crap is in the thing. And I was like, that's, that was what made it, you know, like, wow. Like that's like, I'm having experiences that I never got to have as a kid on the other side that I wonder how that would affected me and watch them. You know what I'm saying? But you're also able to give, you're also in some way providing that for your, for your kids. So it's right, also right. giving it to yourself, right? right. Exactly. In some ways. Um, I had a couple, one more question about uh, tracks. Like, this is like the deserted island question. If you could only listen to two tracks in one album for the rest of your life, what would they be and why? Ooh. Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one, man. Um, the, one of the first ones that came to my mind, well, my favorite hip-hop song of all time is EPMD, So What You're Saying. I and then I know the story behind it. Uh, you got to throw in the Nas album. Then there's songs like Michael Jackson songs that I just like beat it or you know, when I graduated from engineering, um, the guest speaker at my graduation was the engineer from Thriller, Bruce Swedeed, who just passed a few, a little, I think he passed a little while ago. And, you know, man, that's a good one because there's so many albums. Like, I got stuck in a ZZ Top vibe last week because I watched the documentary. That document, yeah. Right? Yeah, well, that yeah. documentary was so good. There's just so many good albums, and I don't think I would stick to hip hop. Like, like man, there's so much good music. Like, you ever get like songs come on, like Depeche Mode song, song comes. I don't know how old you guys are. Like, it would be like a Depeche Mode or New Wave song comes on, and I was into hip hop back then. But I would love certain other genres, and those would be one of those songs. Like, oh man, but forever, that's a tough one. I'd say Spirit of Hip Hop. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's that's the answer. Um, are there are there other genres that you would think about like working in or want to work in? Oh yeah, I I've done you know I've done rock songs. I've done re a lot of reggae, dance hall. Um, I'd love to do more dance music. Um, I I I try some country, but I'm not so big into that. Um, but blues, soul. I'd love to do some sessions like that. Um, I got to record Patty LaBelle once by accident. Um, but like, yeah, I'm willing to try it. You know what I'm saying? Like, why not? Yeah, I think uh, uh, Brayden had uh, some things that she wanted to say. She's been- I'm just listening in, this is great. Yeah, by all means, jump in. Thank you. Um, well, just, you know, we started the conversation. You said you, you like being in the background. Um, and then just the thing, I feel like in the background of all art is this, like, I always picture this, like invisible netting of relationships, like this ebb and flow of relationships, right. um, that you don't see. And, and being in relationships is also something that we kind of learn how to get better at over time. And just as someone, you've had so many collaborative relationships in your life. I just would love to know your perspective on like, what do you think is essential in sustaining relationships, like in a good way? Uh, well, communication is definitely key. Um, keeping it real. A lot of people don't like people. Sometimes they're, you know, apprehensive about being honest about what they think. You know, I've had good, you know, we've all had good and bad relationships, but sometimes you don't know how to convey what you're trying to say. And, and just being able to communicate really well helps the flow and, and the vibe. And a lot of times I didn't really look at it like that. I just kind of was like, just trying to go to work and 
I didn't really think of it like that I'm collaborating. I didn't put as much value on myself, really. I just thought I would just a slap going to unload the boxes and just, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I didn't look at how people viewed me, right? I was just happy to be there. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it took a while for me to realize that, oh, I think I might be actually pretty good at this. Maybe people want to work with me, right? Um, so one of the key things was, and the other one is keeping an open mind. Like with studio ethic, it's sometimes it's like, as an engineer, it's like, I don't have a say on certain things, but sometimes you have to speak up and sometimes you have to stand down and sometimes you're wrong. You got to know when to fight and what to fight for. And because sometimes, you, you know, you gotta, it's, there's nothing wrong with being a bigger person and saying, yeah, you're right. It didn't work. Or the other one is trying stuff. This is what I, I remember learning this in school. I actually haven't had to do this in a while, but I used to do this all the time. And somebody would say something and it didn't work. And I, and I would just be like, okay, let's try this. Just give me five minutes. Let me try it. If it doesn't work, we'll go right back to where we were. But let me try it because then sometimes it works or you discover something. Right. So don't be afraid to try things. And, and depending on who you work with, sometimes like you're working with somebody who's like, you know, more experienced or more famous or whatnot. And you're just like, you know, you don't know how to, you could be nervous or something, you know, like you got to kind of like give yourself the, um, I don't want to say courage. It's more like give yourself the credit. Like, if I know what I'm talking about and you tell me I'm wrong, I'm not going to stand down, right? I'm going to hold my guns till the end if I know I'm right factually. But some people will, will do that when they're not right or they're not sure, and that sometimes causes problems. You know what I'm saying? You got to know when to, when to hold them, when to fold them, all that crap. And trust. I just went through that the other day where I gave somebody a beat and then... I used it for something else. I never told them that yet, but I was like, "Look, just trust me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do you a favor. I'm gonna sit down and start all over and make something better than what we were doing." And that's what I did. And he trusted me, and so that made a big difference that they trusted me, and and it turned out really well. So I mean, there you go, right? David Strickland, any any final thoughts as we wrap up? Damn, I mean, we uh, covered a lot of stuff, you know. Hopefully, uh, you can be informed, you can be in touch. Uh, my website, www.davidstricklandstudios.com, is uh, about to relaunch. So I got some good stuff happening over there. You know, I'm always available through social media, mostly Instagram right now. I don't really go on anything else. Yeah, I keep my phone out of my hand as much as possible. Um, keep the TVs off. I'm trying to stay focused, but you know, I'm always available for questions or if you need something or whatever, holler at me. It's great to have the chance to speak with you today, man. And thanks so much for joining us on the uh, hip hop education takeover. So just wishing you all the good things. Thank you. Health, wealth, happiness, uh, continued success in music and, and life in the future and beyond. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys reaching out. Such a treat, man. And yo, did any did anybody learn anything today? Oh, 100%. <laughs> I've just been listening. Yeah, 100%. Because I like to think that maybe, you know, like even just, you know, 
people could take something away from the conversations um, because a lot of times, you know, a lot of engineers don't go out like and, and do um, interviews and conversations. Like when I was coming up, I couldn't go find a podcast or a radio station where I can listen to the engineers. And I can give you a list of guys that would have been awesome to hear. You know what I'm saying? Like that's something we need more. We should, like it almost makes me want to start an engineering podcast where maybe there's some out there where like we just talk about dope engineers and talk about legendary engineers in the past or you know guys who've come and gone or who's current who's running game who's like that might not even i don't even know if that's a topic of, of, like a, a thing but there definitely should be a show about that and if, if there is i'd love to be a part of it so thank you guys for having me maybe i just gave you an idea well you know we can hook up on that later man. <laughs> we'll put that in the tank man that's yeah yeah definitely lots of good stuff in there man and, and i think what really came out also was just like you know, it's easy to be like, he's an engineer, but you know, that's just one aspect of, of who right. you are. Yeah, because I'm sure there's there's probably so many um engineers that where I was talking about that didn't just engineer. Like some of them were producers, but there has to be stories that we I don't even know about because it's a science. People forget that. Like my degree says I went uh, like arts and sciences. I'm a scientist. I always make jokes to people. You know, I'm a scientist, right? Man, hey, hip hop scientist. You coined that. I'm a scientist. No, but it like all the equipment is so complicated and hard to learn. That's why the studio looks like a lab, right? We we're, we are scientists, but that got lost on me because I'm in there for the music, right? So you know, it's it's pretty crazy, and people people don't even realize what we do, the how how vital we are to everything video film tv radio music like you take the engineer away and you got a bunch of artists standing around wanting to do stuff right go what do we do you're the bridge man no it's the bridge for sure you know but hey thank you for having me marco you're a great guy all you guys are are great and ladies and, and I, I appreciate all the love and um you know holler at me anytime i appreciate it for real man yeah stay safe one love thank you thanks again thank all you right. peace that was our conversation with David Gordo Strickland. You can check him out online at davidstricklandstudios.com, on social media at david.strickland, and of course, Spirit of Hip Hop is available on all streaming platforms. I want to give a big, big shout out to Braden Doan for her work on producing today's episode. Look out for another Hard House Hip Hop Education Takeover coming soon. In the meantime, check us out at hardhouse.ca. I'm Marco Adamovich. Peace. <laughs>